My name is Leo Rizamek, one of the hosts of The Stunt Show here on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is new to you and you have no idea who I am. Well, we're going to fix that right now. I was born and raised in Teaneck, New Jersey. I went to Mariah, bought Torah, Mayanote, and then got my GD and went to Turo Lander College for Women instead of 12th grade. I then spent the year in Shalvin for Women and I'm now in Turo Nursing School. I went to Missora, I went on NCSY Give, and I have spent the last three summers in Camp Hask. But enough about me. Today, I would like to talk about being happy, something I personally have had struggle with at certain times in my life, and I'm sure many of the listeners out there have as well. I plan to interview Zach Pollock and Judge Dan Butler, who we will hear more about later, and we are going to see if they can help us tackle the topic of happiness and understand it a little bit better. But first, I want to talk about just plain old happiness, plain old simcha. I heard a share by Rabbi Aryeh Leibowitz, the Skan Menahel and Ram at Yeshivat Shalvim. He was talking about um, happiness and Rosh Hashanah and how most people think it's such a serious time, but really Rosh Hashanah is a time we are supposed to be happy. Um, most people think that simcha is pleasure, fun, laughter, and parties. That regular life isn't simcha when it doesn't have all these things. However, this is wrong, and it says in Tehillim, actually, that one must always be happy, which if you live thinking that simcha is pleasure and laughter, you aren't always going to be happy. So in reality, that's not actually what simcha is. Simcha is not just an emotion or a laugh. Rather, simcha is an existential reality, something about your existence and state of mind. It's an awareness of what's important in your life and the feeling you get when you know you are living along with your ideals. Rabbi Leibowitz compares happiness and living like this to a train on a track. You know, if you are always going on the right track and you're always living with your ideals and morals in the right place, then you are always going in the right direction and you can always be happy. But if you veer off of that path, that's when you hit the issues. Rabbi Leibowitz says there is no greater lack of simcha than when you feel a lack of direction in life. And the greatest sense of simcha is when you feel that you have the right ideals. So even when something sad is going on or you're not in the best mood, if your ideals are there, then you can still have simcha. We will be back with our first guest after this. You're listening to The Stunt Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. It might seem crazy what I'm about to say.
Welcome back to the stunt show here on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Leo Zamek, and once again, we are talking about being happy and the topic of happiness today. First guest on the show is Zach Pollock. Zach is a motivational speaker who focuses on anti-bullying, inclusion, living with a disability, and staying positive. Zach speaks at different venues, sharing with people that there will always be challenges in life, but if we are determined, we can overcome them. I first heard Zach speak in Camp Ask and was blown away by what he had to say, so I asked him if he would help us grasp what it means to be happy. How are you doing today, Zach? You think you could help us? Uh, I'm doing awesome. You think you could help us? Yeah. All right. First question that I have for you to try and, you know, tackle the topic of happiness. It's a big one. It's a big one. Is um, what do you think it means to be happy? To always have a smile on your face and not let anything get you down. That's a pretty good answer. And do you think that's it easy or do you think it's hard? I think it's easy for some people and harder for others. What do you mean by that? Because when, when I... When I was going through struggles in 2008, I was going through my scoliosis surgery. And when it comes to being happy, I don't think that people really realize. I think that when people say, when people all of a sudden have a struggle in their life, they, I think struggle is like a foreign word. Into, into the, into the others, into the other struggle, they don't, they don't really, they don't really, they don't, they like they have to, but they don't really know what it means. That's interesting. Do you think happiness then is a process or a goal? Do you think that it's not just like we should try to get to happy or it's that happiness is a constant thing that we're working towards? Like they're happy, but they don't don't really get to, they don't, they don't really get it until they, like, I feel like, before my surgery, I was just living and not living with a purpose. That's so interesting. So in order to be happy, then we need to live with a purpose. Yeah. That's what you're saying. So yeah. is if if you could think of one story in your life, is that the story you would choose? Or is there another story that you really saw true happiness and what it means to be happy? Actually, I'll tell you an amazing story. Alright, I'm ready. Uh, when I, when I went out, you know, all 12, I'm very involved, I'm very involved in the outside. So, I met this kid on the acting, and all of a sudden, he, he told me, you know where we're going in like, and after Shabby time Sunday, and then, and, he, and then he gave me a, a really big hug, and I felt very touched by that. What in the story really showed you about happiness? 
Was there like one moment? Like I do like I I I think that Yasser really shows them. I I, I really shows you what having a disability is really about. Now, if you were talking to someone, which something tells me you are, because there are many listeners to the show who is trying to live a happier life, and we're always looking to live a happier life, are there any specific tips that you would tell someone who is in that position? Yeah. Okay, let's hear them. Just because you're going through struggles, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't go through life. It's a pretty good motto to live by. Just because you're going through a struggle doesn't mean you shouldn't go through life with a smile. Because when, when I was going for my surgery, I think, I think that, I, I think that, uh, things would have been a lot more easier for me. I'll buy, I'll buy smile more. My advice for people that are going through struggles is that when, when you smile, it doesn't, it doesn't only, it doesn't only help you physically, it will help you mentally also. And then you'll feel better. I like that. It's a good one. Do you have anything else that you could think of that, you know, you want to say to people? You're a motivational speaker. Let's hear one of your speeches about being happy. Do you have anything to say? Uh, um, so, this is the first time that I'm saying this time of year. Oh, wow. This is a big moment for us here. So, 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 yeah, what, what's, what do we want to hear for the first time on the air that you never shared before? Why, why did I become a motivational speaker? Because I wanted to tell people to, to make the most of every day and to live life with a positive attitude. So how do you do that? How do you just change your life in order to be living it with a positive attitude? It's my friends that give me the same to live with a positive attitude. So what I think you're saying is if you surround yourself with people who influence you in a positive way, then you will be influenced in a positive way. Yeah. So if you're having trouble finding happiness on your own, maybe you should look at your life and find the people in your life that make you happy.
and surround yourself with them. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I like that. That's a good one. That's a good one. What else? Is there, you know, another tip that you could think of? I just, another, another thing. And I think, I'm sorry that you decided to do this show because I think that people, People are, uh, people are, people are, uh, people are not focused enough on being healthy. And I think that we have to, we have to smile a little bit more. We have to bring a little bit more happy into the world? Yeah. You know, I heard once that if you smile before you pick up the phone, even if you're not in a good mood, it will change the conversation. Do you think that's true? That is true, because I heard that also. You heard that too? Then it must be true. Yeah. We both heard it. Have you ever tried it? I mean, every time I see you, you're smiling. So maybe this one won't, isn't for you, because you just seem to have a whole, you know, dealing on the happy thing. But. No, but I'm really going to try it. You're going to try it? Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes you're just not in a good mood one day. Something happened, and it just happened, and you get a phone call, and you just, you don't want to bring that on to the phone call because that's not fair to the person. Yeah. So I heard if you smile before dealing with someone and interacting with someone, it'll change it. Yeah. So that you're going to try that. I'm going to try that too. I'm going to try and do that more often. That, that'll be the little thing we work on from this. That sounds like an awesome thing. Like, uh, like what I was saying to your viewers, I would like to see people try and smile more. I do not, people, people, we need to, we need to work on more motivating others by by smiling. And like, just, uh, just because I, like, I love motivating others, but I can't be, I can't be everywhere at once. And so, so I think that we, we need to, we need to figure out a way that we can motivate other, other people. And I, and I, I know it's hard, but we have to figure out how to, how to motivate people in, in our own ways so we can motivate each other and so we can motivate the whole world. That's, it's a big, you know, thing you're trying to take on there. There's a song, I don't know if you know the song, called It's a Small World. Have you heard it? Yeah. So most people don't know that there's more words to the song than It's a Small World after all. There's actually verses to the song. And in one of the verses, you know, back to the whole thing about smiling more. It's a small world. Are you singing now? You're going to do a solo for everybody? In the song, there is a line that said that, the words are, a smile means friendship to everyone. That if you just smile, you can just, like you said, spread the happiness and motivate other people to be happier. So it sounds like someone agrees with you there. Yeah. The whole song, it says, I don't know who wrote it, but I do know that there's a line. I like that line. It was my uh, 
quote on Facebook for a little while. Oh, we should find, we should, we should find that line now. We should find that line now. Maybe we'll find it after, well, maybe we'll play the song next. I don't know. But, uh, thank you for joining me, Zach. I really, really enjoyed this. It was my pleasure to have you. Um, any last thoughts you want to share? I hope you, I hope that your viewers enjoy me on the show. And I hope to be at that. <laughs> All right. You're listening to the stunt show here on the Nachum Siegel Network. We'll be right back.
show here on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Leo Rizamik, and my next guest today is Judge Dan Butler, who has inspired many all across North America through his professional perspectives, whirlwind delivery, gentle humor, and remarkable insights into the human condition. Butler speaks about being a father, syndicated weekly columnist, security salesman, college professor, retail store manager, and regional director for NCSY and has given lectures around the country from Radio City Music Hall to the Vermont Legislature. Each time I have heard him speak, I've been inspired. How are you today? Great. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Um, so just to start off, you know, I guess with the basics, if you could tell me, you know, what you think the definition of happiness is and what you think it means to be happy. Well, happiness is a state of mind. I mean, I, I come from a unique perspective. Because as a father, first of all, as a happy husband after 37 years, as the father of five children, the grandfather of the daughter, and uh, I have, uh, we've had some, I guess you could say, vicissitudes in life. So that prominently our oldest son, uh, Mikey, um, had cystic fibrosis and got lung transplants and then got cancer from his new lungs. And eventually passed away, and that process took 24 years. For 24 years, we were in the hospital half the time. Uh, he, he literally spent half his life in the hospital, but he accomplished remarkable things. And in that context, by any standard, considering that we were constantly looking for and, and searching for tumors and suffering through all sorts of medical trauma, um, I think it almost annoyed people that we were not unhappy with the process, neither we nor Mikey. And I realized that that was our greatest strength, and it was, you know, our greatest uh, treasure, really. Can I ask that you that, stayed had, positive through that? I think we did. In addition to Mikey, we have uh, uh, two other children. We have four other children, two who are uh, remarkable each in their own way and two who are adult autistic children who live at home with us even now. They're, one's almost 30, one's over 30. And, of course, that makes for a different world also. And, again, it, it seems to almost trouble people that I am unremittingly happy. And uh, I, I think that 
if I could borrow it, I could probably become a zillionaire because I could figure out how to tell people how they should be happy too. Um, so how do you have a good stay happy through that? Okay, so we had, um, first of all, it's a, a lot of it is perspective. What do you mean by that? A lot of it is, well, there was a man who, who was in my show, uh, sat a couple, sat a couple rows behind me in show. Uh, George Markowitz, all of our show ones, just passed away in this past year. A wonderful, good, fine man. He had a long story of what had happened to him during the Holocaust. He eventually ended up in a concentration camp. Uh, on the very last day, and it's become kind of a famous story. I think Hannah's when they written up the story. Um, yeah, under the, but, uh, but he told it to me personally one morning after show. Um, uh, at the end of a long traumatic experience, it was, it was the final stages of the war. They were in the camp. They could hear the artillery off in the distance. They knew that something was going to happen. The Jews were dying around them. And he was starving. He said he walked with his head looking down always because you, first of all, weren't allowed to look the Germans in the eye, but also because he was looking for anything on the ground that might move that he could pick up and eat. He was starving. And then he said that morning, with the guns getting closer in the background, they called everybody out for the roll call. And when he came out there, it was amazing. The whole atmosphere had changed. They were not forced to stand at attention for hours. There was no screaming. They were sitting. Everyone was sitting. And the SS guards who had terrorized them for so long were walking from person to person with big baskets of fresh German bread, those thick, heavy rolls, still warm from the oven. And they passed them out to everyone. And, and the, the general wisdom was that the reason this was happening was because the Germans didn't want the um, Jews to look too nourished or too badly abused, which in retrospect seems almost absurd. But that was the that was what the people told each other, that the Germans were trying to fatten them up so that eventually overrun by uh, other troops that uh, they would... Uh, Eventually, that they would um, get the, that there was that they had not been abused. Absurd, right? But that's what the people told each other. So they're passing out. The SS men are coming past these warm breads, and uh, it's not. Uh, it, they came to him, and the man who came to him handed him the last roll from his basket. George Markowitz said, I was 15 years old at the time. He said, I suddenly had a warm bread. He said, it was wonderful. I, I couldn't eat it. It was still warm. I was freezing cold. I put it inside my shirt to keep me warm. I was going to drain all the warmth out of it before I ate it. He said, and then the... Nazi went back for another basket full of bread. He came back again. He said, where did I leave off? And George Markowitz raised his hand. Tell him the truth. He had been the last one to get one. And so the Nazi, without actually making eye contact and looking at the Jew, handed him a bread. I'll never forget the moment when George Markowitz grabbed my arm in the half-light 
coming through the windows at our show in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, on a Sunday morning, and said, you don't understand. I had two breads. I was a millionaire. And he told us putting both of those breads under his shirt and letting the warmth seep into him. And as soon as the Germans were finished handing out the bread, two Russian soldiers who had recently been captured came over to him and said to the skinny little 15-year-old kid, Jib, they said, we saw what you did give us the bread. And he said, you know what? I was not going to give them my bread. There was no way that I was going to give them my bread. So they beat him, literally to a pulp, to unconsciousness, and they took his bread. And he said, if they left him there in the dirt, It started to rain, and he remembered looking up at the sky and asking God, how could you do this to me? I came so close. And then he said when he woke up, the English had arrived, the British had arrived, arrived. British troops had overrun the camp. He said, and when he sat up and looked around, everyone was dead. The Germans had put prussic acid and ground glass in each bread, the ground grass, ground glass lacerated the, the uh, I guess, trachea or whatever of the people, and the prussic acid killed them instantly. Everyone was dead but him. Yeah. Because in what seemed like horrible trauma, somebody had taken away his bread. It seemed like such a terrible thing just a short time before. Something awful had happened. But in the end, it saved him. Wow. And that, that colored the rest of his life. He could never be unhappy about something that happened in a particular moment because we don't really know how it comes out. So, basically, you know, I, yeah, you were going to say. Okay. <laughs> no, I was going to say that. You know, so our son, Mikey, he refused to be unhappy. He used to say nobody gets up in the morning and watches uh, or listens to the AM and the AM uh, in stereo and then goes down and, uh, you know, after davening has his uh, beautiful wife make breakfast for him and then get into his Lexus 460 convertible on a beautiful sunny day to drive to the job that he has that he knows pays him more than he's worried. Nobody ever looks up the sky at that moment and says, why me? God, why me? And he refused to say, why me? He refused to fetch or complain. And that was contagious. None of us fetched or complained about the situation. I see, you know, I have, now I have a 28-year-old and a 31-year-old who are roughly a a six-year-old and an eight-year-old mentally. And on the one hand, that's a long time to deal with that. On the other hand, every Yom for instance, is exciting again. Every Shabbos is exciting, just as it would be for a little kid. And we make the most of that. That's our lives. Our lives continue to be happy and exciting because we have these two children who aren't children who make it happy and exciting. So would you say... It's the reality of our lives. Would you say that happiness then is something that you always need to be working with and not something that you one day decide you want to work toward? This past Shabbos, we read Parshas Kisovo. In the beginning of Parshas Kisovo, we're told about the Bikurim, that the first fruits that people bring, they come to the Kohen of the day with them, of that time with them, and they tell their story. We review our history as part of the Seder now because it's so elemental to our, to who we are. And then finally, the, um, 
the instruction that the Torah gives us, and it's a clear instruction. Be happy about all the good that God has given to you and your family. And you know what's something interesting? Last week's Parsha, Kisete, had 74 mitzvahs in it. This week's Parsha has six. But those who count up mitzvahs, like the Rambam, does not count that very clear prescription from the Torah, the Sanach, the Bechorot, that you should be happy as one of the mitzvahs. That, I guess, is just advice. The Torah tells us, look around at what you have. Look at your history. Look how far you've come. Appreciate this moment and you'll be fine. You know, I, I had a real-life experience with that, on, with that very Zartora this past Friday afternoon. I live in Pittsburgh, which is the transplant center of the world. People who are refused the possibility of transplants, particularly lungs, hearts, livers, pancreas, kidneys, in other cities, come to Pittsburgh for their last possible chance. At this moment in Pittsburgh, a small group of our of our community are, are in effect, taking care of the families of two Hasidim, two different Hasidim, both from Israel, one from Beit Shemesh, one from Yerushalayim, who are here for lung transplants. One of those older ones, a 19-year-old kid. A 19-year-old kid is either in a very hopeful situation or in a very tragic situation. We'll know over the next couple weeks. He jumped the whole line waiting to transplant. He got his insurance approved. He's ready to go, except his lungs have given out, and they have him in a medically induced coma, and he's on what they call ECMO, which is a, a way of keeping oxygen in the blood. It's kind of an artificial way of resting the heart lungs. And I sat with his father on Friday afternoon before Shabbos, a Jew from a different world. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He's from Beit Shemesh. We have different sensibilities. We dress differently. We both have the same Shabbos. We both have the same Sedra coming up. And this man is trying with all of his, all that he has to maintain his equilibrium. He has nine other children back at home in Beit Shemesh. He's trying to maintain his equilibrium after fighting this fight for three years now. He has schlepped to Los Angeles, just in the United States. He has schlepped to Duke in, in uh, South Carolina, North Carolina. He has schlepped to uh, Columbia Presbyterian, and now Pittsburgh is essentially, one way or the other, their last stop. And we talked about the Sanach Hatov, the obligation that was coming up the next day in the Sedra. Sedra, he wouldn't hear in Shul because he'd be sitting in the son's bedside in the ICU and paid Presbyterian University Hospital in Pittsburgh. And I told him, you uh, have done everything possible. When you recite your history, you have done everything possible for your son. You've done your hishtadlis. You've done what's required of you. Now you have the obligation to put a big smile on your face so that he sees that smile, so that the doctors and the nurses and the personnel there see the optimism that you are emanating, and that will inspire them to keep on going. It will inspire your son to keep on going. And for today, it's what you deserve. It's what he deserves. It's what Hashem expects of us. He expects us to be happy, to look at what we have today. There's nothing more in the whole world he could do if he had all the money in the world, he has the greatest scientific resources in the world at his disposal. At this crucial moment, it could go either way. 
somebody else's life has to end in tragedy now for his life to go on. We don't know how that's going to happen. We don't know if it's going to happen. It's He's only got a few weeks for it to happen in the normal course of events because of the exigencies of ECMO and all this stuff. But you have the obligation to be happy. And amazingly, it's a measure more of more of who he is than of what I said, that he could sit and smile and say, yeah, you're right. So do you think that you have any, you know, final tips um, to sum up for someone? You know, most people are looking to live a happier life. Um, so do you think you have any, like, a few tips to give the listeners on how to do that? Sure. Most people already have the ingredients in their lives to be happy. They just aren't prepared to accept that what they have right now is the, are, are, are the tools that they need to make them happy. What we found, one of the greatest tools that we found was to open up our home to other people, to look for other people to do good things for. That made them happy, and it made us happy. We benefited more than they did. Every Shabbos, especially when you have a couple of autistic adult children, every Shabbos you should have company at your table because you're sharing something wonderful and valuable that we all have together. And in my situation, it's kind of an alternative to a different kind of conversation. We're just sitting around. It makes Shabbos an exciting experience for everyone involved. Shabbos is the bedrock and the, the fortress that we use to protect us from the unhappiness that was out there waiting to overtake us. We did Shabbos in the hospital. We did Shabbos out of the hospital. We made sure there were guests and company in every situation. We never made Shabbos for just us. We always made Shabbos with the hope and the expectation that other people would appear who needed it. And even in Pittsburgh, even in the winter in Pittsburgh, it happens. And we find a student, a traveler, a stranger, a transplant family who need that place at the table, and it changes our lives as much as it changes them. It can change your life, too, if you do the same thing. Thank you very much. Um, I really enjoyed this, and I'm sure all the listeners did, too. We will be right back after this.
We are back here on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Leo Rizamek, and I'm the host of the Stunt Show, which you are tuned into right now. Today we are talking about happiness, if you just decided to turn it on right now. And I actually went to a Hask reunion barbecue this week, so I thought it would be a good idea. Well, I actually didn't have the idea myself. My father gave me the idea to ask the various campers and counselors who were at the barbecue, what they thought happiness was and what the definition is for them. Here are their answers. Hope you enjoy. What do you think happiness is, Rafa? Uh, Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah's happiness? Yeah. Why? Well, I picked this for my birthday. Because it's your birthday. I think happiness is being in a constant state of knowing you're doing the right thing. I would just add that also just giving joy to others. Happiness is spending time with our camp ass campers. What is happiness? Um, I think happiness is feeling feeling content with what you're doing in life, and it's not not just not just having a good time, not just smiling, not just laughing. People sometimes think that that's happiness, but they're wrong. Happiness is when you actually feel a purpose in what you're doing. You feel that what you're doing in life is important, and you're making a difference in the world, and you feel accomplished. You can have fleeting moments of what people call happiness when you're on a roller coaster or at a party, but when that when that's done, when that event, whatever it is that you're doing is done, you no longer feel that happiness. And I think an essential part of having real happiness is for it to be something that really means something to you and something that you think will really mean something to somebody else. Happiness is the joy you get and the feeling you've accomplished something that you've been putting effort into. What is being happy? Being happy is living in the moment, enjoying what's going on around you, not thinking about what happened in the past, not looking so far into the future, just enjoying the present moment. I think happiness is something that makes you feel good all around, and that's happiness. I would say happiness is accepting everything you have to be a blessing and just appreciating what's around you. Happiness is for your produce. Happiness is whole wheat everything kala and chicken soup on Friday night. Happiness is watching your kids swing and smile as they play. Happiness is watching your kids throw leaves up in the air with no care in the world. Happiness is jumping and playing in the snow and building snowmen. I'm 
Welcome back once again to the stunt show here on the Nachum Siegel Network. And just to sum up our show about happiness, we first, you know, talked about what being happy is all about. <clears throat> and then I interviewed Zach Pollock, who told us that just because you're going through a struggle doesn't mean that you can't do it with a smile. After that, I spoke to Judge Dan Butler, who pointed out that being happy isn't a mitzvah, rather advice Hashem is giving us to live our lives by. I would like to thank both of them for joining me today. Now, at the end of every of each show, um, many of the stunt show hosts have a little shtick that they do. Um, what I would like to do is share a positive news story in an attempt to counteract the negative things going on in the world. So today I've chosen one about a man who is whose wife left him and actually left him with some debt to pay off. Um, <clears throat> what he did was he looked on Facebook and he found this Facebook group called the Gift Economy. This uh, group helps is a group of made up of people who just want to help others in any way that they can. And once he contacted someone in the group, within 24 hours, um, the people in the group had gotten him back on his feet um, and gave him a newfound confidence because of all their efforts. So I just thought that was a nice story that I saw. Please feel free to email me at leora at nachumsegel.com, L-E-O-R-A at N-A-C-H-U-M-S-E-G-A-L dot com for any comments or suggestions you may have for me. There will actually not be a stunt show next week because it's Rosh Hashanah, but have no fear because the following week, my father, Mark Zamek, will be hosting a show he calls Dueling Kol Nidres, which he will be broadcasting live from the Lower East Side studio. And if you're not interested in that, then maybe you should be because I think it's really interesting and I can't wait to hear it. If you missed any part of the show today, you can access it on the archives at NahumSeagull.com or on the NSN app, which if you don't have, you probably should get. Um, one more thing, uh, which I didn't share in the beginning of the show. A fun fact about me is that I like to bake. Um, I bake a lot, and if you want to see what I bake or order what I bake, feel free to follow my page on Instagram or Facebook. It's called InstaBake, I-N-S-T-A dot B-A-K-E. Uh, I post different pictures there, ideas, recipes, different things I found, and you can order the things that I bake through there or through emailing me, which all the information is on the page. Thank you once again for listening. This is the Stunt Show on the Nahum Siegel Network. Have a good day. La Kunzman, 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 la